bottom line is, we're done. working for Vegas. Marc-Andre Fleury and the Vegas Golden Knights. His third shutout of these playoffs. His 13th lifetime. Round two, game one, best of seven. The defending Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals. On comes Ovechkin. And across the cup. What an absolutely wild start to episode number 26 of Puck Talks Toronto. We started the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs last night with the Pittsburgh Penguins on top of the Washington Capitals 3-2. And the Vegas Golden Knights put up a touchdown over the San Jose Sharks 7-0, Spencer. But first, before we get to the the second round of the postseason, we got a little post-mortem addition for the 2017-2018 version of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Spencer. It was a... A fantastic series. Uh, without Frederick Anderson, the series probably only goes five games. But a Game 7 did occur. The Bruins on top 7-4 to four over the Toronto Maple Leafs. But what a fantastic back-and-forth affair that was, right? Yeah, oh, you can't, set, uh, five goals within the first period. And just setting the tone for, like you said, that overall game. Just back and forth until the third period. It, it feels kind of strange to say this, but there's lots of different question marks about which lead you would rather have blown because the Leafs with three one goal leads in this game seven whereas and we all know the 2013 series when they blew the the 4-1 lead in game seven at the garden so is there is there a comparison for you or do you think that it's they're both kind of just eh uh well it's eerily similar to how this series played out to the 2013 series so I mean it was kind of in my mindset that there could be a collapse on it just because like in 2013, Toronto came back from 3-1 down to force the Game 7, and then there was the, the, the Game 7 that took place. So, I don't know. I can't... You both you lost both games, so it's it's tough to swallow regardless. Um, but I think the 2018 one where, like you said, they kept allowing goals after that they're trying to build on a lead and they kept allowing goals, I think that's a pretty tough pill to swallow. There's going to be a lot of shots fired at different players for their efforts in this game, but I mean... I, I don't want to harp too much on this. We're going to dissect it, but obviously Jake Gardner was a, a minus five in this game. Wasn't exactly a banner Jake Gardner night. The best way I can describe it was Jake Gardner had a bad night to have a Jake Gardner type night. And he is just, he has really good nights and then other nights where he just forgets his brain. And let's hear what uh, Gardner had to say after game seven. It's just not good enough, especially in a game like this. It's the uh, most important game of the season. And, you know, I didn't show up, so. Um, there's not much I can say, really. Do you have any thoughts on why, Jake? Is it mental, or you're not feeling physically right? Is it a bit of both? <sighs> well, was, no, there's no really explanation. Um, felt fine, and uh, it just seemed like everything I was doing ended up in the back of the net. And <sighs> yeah. That is a very tough clip to listen to. I, I watched his press conference maybe three or four times that scrum, and it was just, it got harder to watch each time I looked at it just because, like, 
as bad as Gardner was in Game 7, you can't solely pin the loss on him. His effort wasn't exactly the greatest. I mean, some goals, you can look at him. He was out of positioning. He attempted 12 stretch passes in this game, and they just it just wasn't a banner night for Jake Gardner. That kind of stuff happens. It's unfortunate for him that it happened in the Game 7, that he has to go through those demons at TD Garden in Game 7. Back to 2013, uh, he was part of that team. I mean, it's just it's it's difficult to hear him uh, kind of speak like that after such a difficult game like that. Yeah, you could tell like the the emotion was there, the the long size and yeah, this one's on me, but I think he looks at like the box score and says, "Oh yeah, I'm the minus 5 compared to everyone else." And he thinks he has to take the blame for it. But like you said, I, I this speaks just to the whole team how that that effort was in that third period. I mean, to allow four goals in that third period is a uh, is not a good sign, but we've seen this from the Leafs uh, la- uh last year even this year in the regular season. So I, I'm not surprised it, it showed up again in the p- playoffs. Is Gardner a Leaf in 2018, 2019? Uh, I don't think so. I th- He has one more year left. And then, so not this July 1st, but next July 1st, he's a UFA. And I think he's going to be like a Bozak, a Van Riemsdyk, because he could still be a valuable asset to the team next year. But I think they're just going to let him walk at the end of his term. We're seeing Travis Dermott kind of start to establish himself as a top four left-handed defenseman there. Uh, so there's really no use for Gardner. But, I mean, at $4 million, his cap hit for another year. I mean, he's still a valuable guy to have as a as a bottom-pairing guy or to have that guy that can step up in that increased minutes. Yeah, I really wonder what the Leafs are going to do with their back end. This series, specifically Game 7, really exploited how inconsistent and how lackluster this defense really is and you look at the goaltending it was fantastic all year long the offense they could put the pucks in the net they were very opportunistic in game seven I think they scored four goals on like 18 shots or something like that and it it really goes to show you how how powerful this team is offensively but on the back end it just it isn't going to cut it yeah well so last year right after the Leafs lost the, the focus to how this team was going to improve was based off of if their younger players was taking the next step. I think the focus now is much more clear than it was last year, and the Leafs realize they need to drastically change that back end because they're they're getting exploited, like you said, by a veteran team, and, and I don't know how much more we can keep seeing these, these younger guys trying to play uh, above where they should be in, in the NHL. This is a a very interesting series overall to, to kind of dissect, but you look at the Leafs best players. We kind of mentioned, I still think Mitch Marner is one of the better mm-hmm. players on the ice in the entire series, but that then shifts the discussion over to the Leafs superstar. Number one, overall pick Austin Matthews, Nick Kiprios had some interesting things to say about the Leafs star player last year. And then going into this year, Matthews was the guy, right? And towards the end, Babcock lost Matthews. I don't know what happened, but he lost him. And and there was no trust anymore. And then Matthews can't start a hockey game. He can't start a period. He can't start a power play off a TV timeout. And for whatever reason, Babcock lost Matthews. I'm not going to compare Guy Boucher to Mike Babcock because they're not in the same echelon of coaching, but the kind of act that they have as a coach and the, the hard nose kind of they they get the most out of their players with the the, the yelling the the kind of like the energy and, tough love. and all that tough love exactly I, I don't want to compare the two but Mike Babcock's act to some of these young players I could see it being tiresome and it's it's not to say that 
that's the case with Austin Matthews. We don't exactly know for sure, but I mean, you could see some of the, the body language on the bench when Babcock's talking to him. It doesn't exactly seem like he's all there right now. Uh, yeah, I, I, I could see that, but it, it's just so easily to to place a blame like that or to think deeper because Matthews had such a terrible series. Two points out of the seven games, a minus four all series. So I don't know if Kipri, like him saying he lost Matthews because you have to look at how Mike Babcock is as a coach. He likes his guys, right? He rolls his guys. And Kadri, Marlowe, those are his guys too, the veteran guys that he likes those matchups. And it just so happens Marner is on that line. When you look at Matthews' line, Matthews is that lone guy there. And you could... Babcock was scared of the matchup with Chara, and that's why we saw Matthews not on the ice to start power plays or not on the ice to start a period or to start a game because they're trying to avoid that matchup with Chara, and I think that was much more telling than it was that Babcock lost Matthews because I thought throughout the whole season it was fine. Towards the end, down the, the home stretch into the playoffs, Matthews was playing great, and it seemed like everything was fine. So I, I don't really hold a lot of truth to Matthew or Babcock losing Matthews. That's just me, though. It's kind of interesting that you say that because, I don't know, I, I see it a little bit differently, but I totally, I, I definitely see where you're coming from in, in, in that aspect because this is a this is a player that hasn't exactly been surrounded with the the most talent yeah. on the top line. I mean, you have you have two guys in, in Zach Hyman and Connor Brown that are is flanking him right now, and it just doesn't really make a ton of sense. So I guess there's the argument can also be made that the Leafs aren't surrounding him with the right kind of talent there on the top line. Your best players have to be your best players. William Nylander might have been the worst of the three of the oh, big yeah. three. I think I don't even think that's in, in question right now. He was absolutely invisible in this series, and that can't happen if you mm-hmm. if you want to move forward. That's It's not the type of style of hockey that Nylander plays and has success against because he's more of the, the flashy skill. He doesn't like to dig in the corner. He doesn't like to, to be hit, and that's... That's not going to fly, especially with Mike Babcock. Well, and the change, too, from moving off of Matthew's wing to getting a promotion, too, or a demotion, that is. I mean, that throws into the psyche of a player. Like I said, down the home stretch, Matthews and Nylander were giving all the Leafs confidence. Leaf fans, oh, you know, the, our top power play unit with Bozak and, and JVR, they're fine. And now we have the second unit with Matthews and Nylander rolling, and look at what they're doing five on five. And they were giving Leaf fans hope into going into the playoffs. And then we see Chara, we see McAvoy throw a wrench in that plan, and Ma- uh, Babcock had to switch everything up because uh, you know they weren't getting enough offense from their top guys. Do you remember when we used to have a segment called Percentages? Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring <laughs> it back. I'm gonna bring it okay. back for this episode of Puck Talks Toronto. Uh, first. Questions I'm going to ask you. This is very in the dark. You are not prepared for this whatsoever. I'm saying this very (laughs) clearly on air to you right now. I I want to talk about the Leafs unrestricted free agents. I want to bring up the the percentages that each are back. Let's start down the middle of the ice and look at Tyler Bozak. This is a a very valuable commodity with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think the the guy gets enough credit because he he does play that two-way game. He he puts up around 45 to 55 Mm -hmm. points every year, and it's, it's very consistent. He's good line mates, and it just seems like the chemistry there makes sense. I think if he does decide to test and the Leafs don't re-sign him, that they're going to actually miss Tyler Bozak more than they think. So what are the percentages that the Leafs re-sign Tyler Bozak? Uh, I, I say 20%. I've actually been thinking about this, so you're not really catching me off guard here. But I, I really think – so Tyler Bozak, he's a valuable asset, like you've said. Long long list of what you just said. Uh, centerman, right-handed shot. Uh, he can play on the power play. He wins a lot of faceoffs. And he's going to want a big 
pay raise from what he did. Uh, and so I think the Leafs are going to, some center desperate team is going to offer him the bank and, and, and give him a, a pretty good money so that he will say, yeah, sorry, Leafs, I, I can't come back and be the third line guy anymore because another team is giving me second line role or whatever. But uh, I say 20% for Bozak. Let's move on to a little bit of a bigger name. Well, a, a bigger name to Mike Babcock. I, I, I'm being facetious when I say that. So Leo Komarov, what are the percentages that Leo Komarov is, is brought back to the, to the Maple Leafs? So I say there's like a 70% chance he's brought back, but it's a 0% good signing because you already I have, a, you already have a guy like, like Leo Komarov and Matt Martin just holding down the, the, the press box. The press box, right? <laughs> you don't need another aging, gritty guy anymore because you have Martin signed up for a couple more years afterwards. Uh, apparently, there's a guy, Gunch, Gr- Grunstrom, coming up yep. who's exactly the same mold from Komarov, just younger. So there's your uh, lethal shot to that kid. In, in-house uh, replacement. So, uh, But I think you know, no one's going to take a risk on, on Komarov. He's against the whole mold of what this NHL is going. Uh, and I, I feel like a lot of the NHL will shy away from picking up Komarov. And I think he's just going to be left there for the Leafs to sign him to a one-year uh, kind of crappy deal and, and just have him hold down the press box still. But I really don't think the Leafs need him anymore. Thomas Buchanan's doubled up Austin Matthews in points in this series. Uh, he was brought in to shut down the Bergeron line. I think it's fair to say he did a, a, at least an adequate job at that. Uh, what are the percentages that Thomas Buchanan's has brought back to the Maple Leafs? I still th- like about 30, 40% there. I, I, there's still always that talk with him going back to Montreal. So that kind of uh scares me um but they might really need him uh if they, they lose bozak too but the same situation more like their center depth yeah. is gonna be pretty thin if it's gonna be case. tested if they don't pick up these these aging guys so th- i think maybe one of them needs to be picked up but you're you're gonna ask for a lot of money then well you know placanix is getting less money than six million dollars a year oh, he's from, gonna, i, I from don't what think he's getting at, more right? than two i don't think so so i think he could be a cheap kind of centerman that can help fill that void but uh, yeah, I still think uh, 40, 30% there. And I did this intentionally. Uh, we're saving the big name for last zero. here to to kind of keep people listening. <laughs> uh, zero. You don't even have to, you're not even going to make me pose the question nope. here, are you? So 30 gold man, James Van Riemsdyk, uh, a hot commodity that's going to be on the UFA market. It looks like he's going to test on July 1st. And I, I kind of, I don't even know why we need to discuss this. It looks like a, a big fat zero for both of us. Yeah, I mean, it, you look at what he does on the power play. And I, a lot of teams are going to look at what Bozak and, and, and Van Riemsdyk can do on a power play, and they're going to give him a, uh, an extra bit of coin there so that, to bring him over to really bolster those power plays. So, uh, yeah, 0% for Van Riemsdyk because he's got a cash in. This is his big payday too. So with that being said, do the Leafs just uh, bring in more young talent from the farm and replace them that way? Do you give more ice time to guys like Andreas Janssen, Josh Levo? Like, are you, what do you, Oof. what is the... I th- I think you have to though, right? I mean, like, I think Kapanen was vi- uh, unheralded player throughout this playoffs. Surprise, I think he, yeah. he really did a good job. Uh, and I think he's from last year's playoffs, all year this year, and what he did in this playoffs, I think he deserves a little bit more minutes, uh, get out of that fourth line role. So I could see him moving up. Janssen's been a, a nice surprise just based off of his skill, how quickly he's been able to integrate into this team. So I really think it's going to be more kind of getting those younger players in. We we all forget well, this is still year two of a like a five year Brendan Shanahan plan, right? So 
we're we're starting to see the the older players that were in the different the older era of the Leafs starting to phase out like the Van Riemsdyks, the Bozaks, the Komarovs, and we're starting to get that younger wave of generation coming in that is going to be more suited for a Matthews led team. Okay, so anything else you can think of that we need to discuss with the Maple Leafs here? I I feel like we kind of touched a lot of the bases. This is a oh, yeah. what? Kadri. Well, Kadri coming back. The thing is I, I, I don't know. Like it, that seems like a kind of Well, a... I mean, I think that it's he's been one of the guys that have has done it from 2013 to to 2018 too. So, uh I mean, he he kind of talked about it afterwards about um the team's m- mindset um about you know getting into uh, finishing the game seven game i think we have the clip already to play with so uh if we want to play that you know said if we would have you know at the start of the series if we would have said uh you know we were going to be one goal away from winning the series in a game seven with the bruins we would have uh, 100 taken it so uh, we just tried to kind of hit the reset button and here you are for them and us it's, it's all right there there's one period to go I mean, I don't think anybody in Toronto or anybody on our team would have complained about me telling you that we're right here. You know, and even when we got down one in the third, I mean, I don't know how many minutes were left, but lots of minutes. I mean, we're still in a great situation. Once they got the next one, we weren't. We mentally we weren't. That is just eerily similar. I, I don't know how to put it any other way than that. It just, it just seems like... I, I literally have no words for that. Well, it just seems so weirdly the same yeah, from, well, the, uh, yeah, from the so, Leafs coach and then the Leafs center. So Kadri was from 2013 yeah. and, and obviously Babcock's 2018. And they're talking about how if you asked us being with the Bruins, uh, you know, being one goal away from going on, beating the Bruins, I'd take that any day. But I think it should be changed a little bit, though, considering 2018, how much closer this team was. I think... Uh, I think it was a missed opportunity for these Leafs. I mean, you get to the Game 7 anyways uh, against Boston or against any team, you have a chance to w- one win and done, right, and move on. I think it still was a missed opportunity. I know people are saying, oh, missed opportunity, or uh, should we be you know, too happy about their progression of just one game after last year? I think it was still a missed opportunity. A lot of people were wondering like, if the Leafs met expectations this season. And I'll, yeah, I'll finish it off on, on this <laughs> note with the Leafs discussion. You look, at, you look at the playoff structure, and I think that is a big issue in regards to this. Like The Bruins, 112 points. I think the Leafs had 107, mm-hmm. something of that nature. And those two teams collide in the first round, two of the, the bigger powers in the Eastern Conference. Uh, something's wrong with that. Like I mean... The Leafs took the Bruins to seven. It was a hard-fought series. It was a toss-up. Going into the series, a lot of people were saying the Leafs were favored, the Bruins were favored. Like It was, a, it was pretty much a toss-up. You could, you could make cases for both teams to move on, and, and that's kind of what we saw. We saw a game seven that was a back-and-forth affair. It was a, a very tight series besides uh, the game two when the, the Bruins kind of derailed the Leafs. But you just you looked at everything that's being done here, and I think the biggest issue here is the, the structure of the postseason. I think so. I, I think it's it's pretty safe to say because here we are in the second round, getting to see what should be, uh, you know, a conference final with Nashville and Winnipeg. I think, well, we talked about this with Chris Johnson when we we had our live event, right? And and unfortunately, he says we might not see it until Seattle gets into the to the league, and that's about 2020. So we might be stuck with this this playoff format for the next couple of years and getting ripped off of seeing some pretty good. Uh, 
matchups later in the playoffs. So we, we want to break down the, the second round of the postseason now. Uh, we had the, the Capitals losing 3-2 to the Penguins after uh, dispositing a, a two-goal well, lead in the, in the third period. I mean, it, it, they looked good through two periods. Like the Kuznetsov scored early on. They looked uh, fantastic, and then it just it just kind of all fell apart in that third frame. I mean, then the Vegas Golden Knights uh, just Touchdown. absolutely laid a beating on the San Jose Sharks, those three goals. I, I think I read that the Sharks didn't even – Allow three goals once in the first round, yeah. let alone they only let it seven. Jones let it only let in about like five goals in the first period. And he yeah. he was or in the in the first round, and he had five halfway through the game. So just absolutely crazy. So let's uh let's kind of break these series down a bit. I I mean I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Washington series, and it doesn't really change my outlook. I really liked the the Capitals in this series going in. I I think. As, as cliche as it is in regards to the Washington Capitals, I really think this is the year they finally make that jump and, and defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins. It, it's one of those, it, it's just, I just have a feeling. In the past, you could tell that it wasn't exactly the right time, but this just feels like it's Washington's time this year. There's no expectations. There's very limited uh, people are expecting them to actually stick with the Penguins. A lot of people are just saying Penguins in five, Penguins in six. They, they have these demons. It's, Nine of the last ten series, the the Penguins have defeated yeah. the Capitals. So it it feels like people are, I don't want to say underrating the 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 Capitals here, but that's kind of been the case. Like the Leafs, I think Washington will still have their uh you know their hunch against the the Penguins there. How the Leafs have it with the Bruins, I have Pittsburgh still winning it, going with the three peat. So I mean, uh, was not sh- shocking to see the the three goal comeback in the second or in the third period for me. It just feels like the Penguins always have an answer. Like, there's no... And they did it without Malkin again, too. Yeah, so... no, it's not... It hasn't been an easy road for them this year. This is a, a very deep team. But the, when is that... The the extra games, when are those going to finally add up for the Penguins? I mean, this is the third postseason that they've they've been in the second round. They won two cups in a row. Like, this is a very... When is the when are they start starting to get gas? Well, I think this is the best team out of the last three years. So they're only getting better, and which is a, even a scarier thought, if you ask me. So who do you have in this? You have oh Pittsburgh. I have Pittsburgh winning. So Pittsburgh in, I think it's closer five. in five. So you don't even think no. Washington six around. No, interesting. That, no, I, I really like. I, I I just feel like this is the this is Washington's time. If Holtby can can steal a game or two in this series, then I I, I have a lot of faith in in the Washington Capitals yeah. for this season. Well, Murray already picked up his stolen game for the for the Penguins because they uh they had him uh you know with the the he was ridiculous in the third period saving that so. And then we move on to the Vegas Golden Knights here, and it's an interesting situation. But we actually have some breaking news right now that we should probably uh, discuss in the National Hockey League. It involves a Canadian team. And it looks like the effective May 1st, Brian Burke will be stepping back from Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation, and that is a breaking news event on the podcast. We don't really have very many of those, but, I mean, it's kind of— I'm surprised some of them Feels like we, we needed that. I so <laughs> that would be irresponsible. <laughs> I mean, it is a little earlier out west, but still. Uh, what what do you think of that? It's kind of just dissecting this on the on the cover right on here. the fly. Eh? Uh, well, I think they they're they're kind of moving with Tree Living and Peters here, and I think Burke's kind of his his time was getting to the end there. Um, I'm sure he's a he's a type of guy too that that's pretty fired up about the whole getting a new arena down there. So I don't know if he's gonna necessarily. Uh, well, I said he's fully stepping out, but I think his his passion is still gonna try and help out this Flames team, try and get that new building or or organize something like that. But 
Uh, I mean, he's a good hockey mind. He he's bounced around. He's won some Stanley Cups. Uh, Doesn't know uh, how to tie a tie though. Well, that's his I'm thing. Kidding, I know. Oh, that's that, like that's the Berkey tie, always, right? So everyone will always remember him for that. But uh, he he definitely has a a specific way, a, a model that he likes to build his franchises around. And it's safe to say he's truculence, done that multiple times. Truculence. Uh, what's the other word that he br- brought? I to just Toronto? remember the Leafs. It was just the truculence one was just absolutely truculence. Asinine. And then he goes and trades for Phil Kessel, the epitome of truculence. <laughs> just he's had a, a very interesting uh, career, to say the least. But let's go. Let's go back to the the Vegas Golden Knights uh, putting the touchdown up on the San Jose Sharks. Uh, I I feel like Vegas is just gonna win the cup, and people are still gonna be like, I I don't have faith in this Vegas team, and that's that's kind of what we've been discussing for a, a while. I I don't know how they're doing this. I I genuinely have no idea. Well, that's me. I, I keep I've doubted them all season, even into the playoffs. I had the Kings winning. Uh, just thinking Quick was going to stand on his head, which he did, but still the Vegas. But I'm I'm not going to believe this until after this season. Whatever they do, I'm not going to really believe it until after this season because really what they have done is ridiculous. They Seven goals to start off a playoff series. And this Vegas team is such a wild card because we have no idea where any of this is coming from. There's no history. We can talk about it. Yeah, there's individual players, but they never really – obviously all played together in right until right now right so uh it, it's wild what these guys are doing and uh it's uh, making uh for a lot of uh you know new fans because i know a lot of uh people from from school here are saying okay well the leafs are out now it's all vegas not getting even behind the winnipeg team which is a, a shock but you you look at this vegas team and I, I i don't think anyone wants to go play there like it just seems like such a a killer atmosphere right now. No one wants to go to Vegas. No one wants to to play there. And well, they all fall of... asleep with the uh, whole medieval times uh, reenactment <laughs> before the game. But no, I, yeah, I mean, the it Vegas just feels like no one there. wants to go there right now. They're absolutely so dominant on home ice. But you see Bryce Harper yesterday. He's got his Vegas helmet on, watching the game, and like everyone's buying in, or not everyone, but a, a <laughs> lot of people are buying into this team, right? And uh, that's scary when when you're going into to the home barn. And you're you're having all this excitement around this new team too, so uh, it's scary. It's scary what's going on in Vegas. Let's stick with the. Actually, let's make a prediction. What do you got? I I think it's. Uh, I was gonna say the Sharks uh, until after last night's performance, just because I said I'm doubting the 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 Knights. So I'll stick with the Sharks. I'll say the Sharks in seven. I'm saying Sharks in six. I just I I, I can't. I until they they're just gonna win exactly. the cup, and I'm still gonna say I can't pick exactly. them. They're gonna they're just gonna do their thing and. That just, it still makes no sense. Let's keep it in the Western Conference. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Winnipeg Jets, Nashville Predators, a fantastic second-round matchup. Gets on the way tonight at 8 p.m. in Nashville. Uh, The buzz around the series has been kind of, it's been happening since February, and it makes sense. The games these two teams have played all year long have been absolutely incredible hockey games, and if this series doesn't live up to the hype, I'll be a little disappointed, but these two teams colliding, it's the two best in the West, and we're going to get a winner, and... I, I still think the winner of this series advances to the cup final, but it's very two very good teams, two very deep back ends. Mm-hmm. Down the middle of the ice, very deep, good goalies. Like it's gonna be a an incredible series. Yeah. You're you're like you said, you're trying to go down the, the list of everything and trying to give an edge to someone, but you can make cases for both guys, right? I mean, you starting in the goaltending, you have two Vesna candidates. Uh Hellebuck has been ridiculous this year, transforming his entire game and Rene is 
having a career year at the age of 35. Uh, you know, their de- defense core, I guess you can give it to Nashville there. But Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I got to take it Nashville's. But Winnipeg's decor, I mean, they've they've kind of stepped up, uh, especially with some key injuries. Obviously, Morrissey had a suspension too, so there, there's some depth there if they run into some trouble. But the forwards are going to be kind of what's telling here. And I think Winnipeg's got... Uh, a lot more firepower than than Nashville does, um, but we'll see which team I guess comes together closer. Uh, I think when you get to like a tough series like that, it's about which team plays more as a team than which individual guys go out there and and make an impact. I'm definitely intrigued to see how both teams go about this. We know that there's superstar players in this series. There's guys on the fourth and third lines that mm-hmm. can kind of contribute as well. I mean, this is a this is what we want to see in the postseason. This is the epitome of kind of postseason hockey at its finest. It's kind of a shame, like you mentioned a little earlier, that we have to see this in the, the conference semifinal. But at the end of the day, we're, we're still getting to see these two teams play, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's expected to be a very hard-fought series. Who do you got? I have Nashville in seven. I, I still think. I uh, do as well. I, I just they're just It just feels like they have some unfinished business, especially after last year, making it to the cup final. Mm -hmm. I think you said you had a a repeat final, right? Yeah, so So, that's why. This Nashville team is going to be, regardless, it's going to be a great series. So Lee fans probably won't want to discuss this now because they they feel like (laughs) the the playoffs are over, but Boston taking on Tampa Bay in that second round of the playoffs. uh, Two very good teams colliding here. Different styles of play, but kind of a similar outlook to the the Boston-Toronto series in the sense where Toronto and Tampa Bay are built off that speed and skill, but obviously the the Lightning have a much better back end than the Maple Leafs do, and that could be the difference. They're also very deep up front, but this is a Bruins team that I don't want to face. This is they're just so deep, they're strong, they're hard to play against. They got veterans. They if Rask can pick it up, because he was awful in that series. Yeah, he didn't really. He was not a difference maker. He did not. He was absolutely basically useless for Mm -hmm. this Boston Bruins team. He didn't keep them in games. Didn't really do a whole lot to to make you feel good about the Bruins in this second round here. But if they can get good goaltending from him in that second round, I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, Rask is going to be the key for, for Boston there too. And I don't – you can't take lightly what Boston went through against Toronto in this first round. They went through hell and back uh, against these Leafs. So uh, I think the the Lightning being a fresher team, uh, look for a pretty quick uh, start for the Lightning in this series. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see like a – not – Seven nothing like Vegas, but a, a pretty big blowout in the first game, just because how rested the the Lightning are and how uh, how tough that Leafs Bruins series was. Yeah, I've uh, been seeing that the Lightning have been getting some uh, some getting some golf time in, so uh, that's never, why not right here. It's never Tampa. a bad thing. They've had some some time off here between series, time to get a little healthier and uh, get their stars a little more comfortable here in the postseason. This is a an interesting series. I think it's. The second series I'm most excited for behind the the Nashville Winnipeg one. I just think that the, really? the two teams colliding here. I really like it. I think it has a lot of a lot of potential. I can mm-hmm. see it going six or seven games. Uh, who do you got? I have Tampa, but I I think like I said, uh, based off of what they did to uh, with Boston Toronto did, I have Tampa doing it quick work. I think they're doing it in five games too. Really? That's, yeah, that's I, th- surprising I really to think me. I really like like you said, Rask. There's there's no hope really from that goaltending. Uh, like a lot of older players on on, on Boston, uh, we heard you know some talk, some chatter about how they might even be tired during the the first round of the playoffs, uh, just because of the ridiculous march they had. Uh, so I really think Tampa is going to capitalize on a really tired Boston team and and take the series in five. That's it's a little surprising that you say that, but I mean I'm still going with the Bruins. <laughs> if Rask can pick up that play, I, I don't see a reason why that they they can't 
take on the the Tampa Bay Lightning here in this second round of the postseason. It just I really like what they're doing here. And then the back end, there's youth up front. You have that tremendous line, arguably the best line in hockey, the Bergeron line. So we saw them, we saw Pasternak put up historic numbers in that first round of the series. I really am, I'm intrigued to see how they how they respond here in the second round. But I got the Bruins in seven. If Thomas Buchanitz and Ron Hainsey, Morgan Riley can shut down that top line for three games, I'm pretty sure Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough can do a pretty solid job on that top line for the five games, what I said. But I really think the Lightning are way better suited to, to counteract at Boston than they are uh, than it was for Toronto. But uh, we'll see. That's fair. I mean, it, it's there's, there's not really a bad series here in the second no. round. I think that really goes to show you that there's eight good teams left, even if we don't want to necessarily count Vegas in that mix yet. <laughs> I, I'm still not convinced, but... I mean, time will only tell how far they go as the the Vegas Golden Knights in their inaugural season. But with that being said, uh, Spencer, any last words before we uh, we kick this one? Uh, no, it's going to be just like some exciting hockey for the second round. I'm looking forward to uh, I, my the series I want to watch is this Penguins uh, Capitals series. So there's lots of storylines. So I know their next game Sunday at three and. I definitely will be watching that. I just feel like we've seen that so many times that we know how the script's going to go, even though I'm still, I'm not shying away from my Washington pick. We've just, we've seen the script so many it's times with so that series. It's so funny to keep seeing it happen I just, over I, I don't know. I just, I don't want to see it anymore. I'm tired again. of, <laughs> I was so pumped to see Washington beat Columbus in that first round after, after going down 2 nothing. So I guess that just goes to show you, I, I want Ovi to, to get that cup and he, he really needs one. I mean, he's, he's going to be one of the greatest of all time, regardless of if he gets that cup, but the cup only extends his legacy and, and makes it a little more powerful than it already is. Yep. With that being said, uh, I want to throw a shout out to Toronto strong. We got to stick together as a country at this time. It's a, it's a difficult time for this, for the city, but we're going to get stronger and we're going to wish well to the the victims and then the first responders did a fantastic job for this situation. So we got to shout them out. It's a, it's an important issue and we really need to, to bear down as a city and show that uh, no one gets the best of this city. Yeah. It's our city. So Agreed. with that well being said. said, Spencer Lucier, I'm Zach Cook, and we'll see you next time. Make sure you follow at Puck Talks Live. And don't forget about the boys at Zach Cook CSM and Spenny Lou CSM. 